Thanks for listening to the Wellspring Church Podcast. All right. Well, that was, uh, that was something. <laughs> I love those guys. Uh, happy Father's Day to all the dads. Thank you. Here in the room with us and all the dads joining us online. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Andrew Mims. I'm the Director of Operations here at Wellspring. Thank you. I'll have your, your cash after the service. Thank you. <laughs> oh, somebody must have dropped my notes. Let me uh, get them organized here real quick for you. No, I'm just joking. Um, but yeah, so I'm the Director of Operations here, and you don't normally see me up here on the stage unless TJ needs somebody to come out here and really hype up an offering moment. I get a little passionate, um, but I promised uh, both Trey and my wife that I would try to keep it under control today, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, speaking of my wife, my wife Alyssa and I have been married for five years, and we have, yes, that is a miracle, um, and we have two beautiful children. We have Haven, who is four, going on 24, and my son Caleb is two, and I wanted to just show you a picture of my family here. And I know what you're thinking. The first thought entered every person's head here. That's got to be Photoshop. There is no way a woman that looks like that is married to a guy that looks like this. And it's okay because I think the same thing every morning when I look in the mirror for the first time. But hey, our God is a God of miracles. Can I get an amen? <laughs> yes. Um, I actually want to start today by telling a story from, from our family's life about my son, Caleb. And if you've been around Wellspring a while, you, you kind of may have heard Caleb's story. We did a video for the church about a year and a half ago. He was already our miracle child um, through Alyssa's pregnancy with him and then his birth. God saved both of their lives, and it's an amazing story, and I would encourage you to check it out. I think it'll bless you just like it blessed our family. Um, but after all that, honestly, Caleb was a very good, easy baby. Like, you know, he was such a good kid. We loved watching him grow into a toddler. But then around 18 months old, we started to notice that Caleb really wasn't talking very much, hardly at all. And we got a little concerned about it. So after consulting with his doctor who said, you know, yeah, I, th I think Caleb could benefit from a little bit of help here. Um, we signed up and got, um, got on the list to get speech therapy for Caleb. Now it took a couple of months but uh, finally, the caseworker let us know that someone had accepted Caleb as a client, and her name was Emily. Now, I just want to say I'm sure there are many great people in this area that could have helped Caleb, and he would have done great. But I'm here to say that was the first miracle God worked in our life because he knew we needed Emily as a family. And so she came in the first day. She meets Caleb, meets us, kind of talks, you know, talks with him a little bit, works with him. And then she really starts working with us. And you see, what Emily told us is that she was actually really more to train Caleb. She was there to help train us because what we did with him would ultimately determine the progress he made. And some of the stuff she taught us was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But I'll be honest, some of the stuff was really hard. Um, if you are a parent or you have ever even been around a small child, you will probably identify with this. If you're trying to get them to say the word dada, what do we do? We look at that kid, we get a stupid look on our face because some reason that's required, and we go, say dada. But 
what Emily taught us is that by saying say, that actually puts pressure on children to talk. And not all children respond poorly to that, but certain children like Caleb respond poorly to that pressure. They will actually shut down and they won't talk. So instead of saying say, Emily simply taught us to model what we wanted him to say. See, it's really hard to even say it without saying say. I just did it again. Um, so for instance, if, if we were trying to get him to say the word puppy, instead of going say puppy, we would just model it. We would say puppy or look at that puppy or do you see the puppy? And ultimately, I'm really glad to say here today that Caleb at two and a half is now about to graduate from speech therapy. Actually, yes, actually ahead of where he should be at two and a half years old. But I think the biggest thing for me is not just that he's talking, I've seen his personality, his confidence, it has exploded. And the point of this entire story here today is just to simply show us that because my wife and I were intentional about our actions, because we sought out an expert like Emily, because we listened to what she told us, because we formed some of those habits, we were able to help Caleb get to where he needed to be. And you see, it's really the same in our spiritual life. If you're a dad here today, I'm gonna challenge us to be intentional about how we live so that we can have influence over those we lead. But if you're a mom or a single guy or single gal or even a student here today, I don't want you to check out. Instead, every time you hear me say the word father or dad, I simply want you to insert the word leader in your mind because we all are. Whether we're trying to lead our family, our children, our employees, our coworkers, or even just a friend group, we are all leaders. And leaders have influence over the people that they lead. So the question I want us to start today with is, Am I being intentional with my influence? One of my favorite stories from the Bible that I think illustrates this point really well is actually the story of Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus' story comes in Luke chapter 19. And if you're not familiar, Luke is actually one of the four writers of the gospels or the biographies of Jesus. He was a historian who interviewed eyewitnesses and gave us a great insight into the life and ministry. And at this point in Luke, Jesus has begun his ministry. He's going around teaching and healing. And at this story, he finds himself in a place called Jericho, which is where a man named Zacchaeus lived. Let's read. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. Now, I just want to give a little context here. Anytime the Bible mentions someone being a tax collector, it is almost never a good thing. And you see, just like today sometimes, um, you see the reason was is because at this time the Jewish people were under the rule of Rome. And how Rome collected taxes, let's say you owned uh, Bob's chariot emporium, they would say, hey, Bob owes us $1,000 in taxes this year. And they had contractors that would go out and actually collect that tax. And what they would do is they would say, hey, you can tell Bob he owes whatever you want. You can keep the difference. And so they would. They would tell him he owed 2000 And then they would just pocket the extra 1000 and give the first to Rome. And the people knew they did this, but they couldn't do anything about it. If you didn't pay your taxes, you were going to jail. 
So this just sets the stage for us to understand that Zacchaeus was not a very popular guy in his city. And he had risen all the way to chief tax collector, so he probably wasn't a very good guy. But let's see what happens in his story. It says, he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. You see, our story tells us that Zacchaeus faced a challenge in that moment. He was too short to see over the crowd. I'm sure there were tons of people there wanting to see Jesus. So he decided to make an intentional decision to do whatever he had to just to get a glimpse. So he runs and he climbs this tree. And that effort that he put in, I'm sure he had no idea that because he took that intentional step, his life was about to change that day. Let's see what, Jesus, what happens. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house with great excitement and joy. I bet this blew Zacchaeus's mind. I want you to imagine that your favorite actor, sports star, somebody that you really look up to, never met the person and you're just walking down the street and all of a sudden you see them and they go, hey, Bob. You'd probably be like, wait, there must be another Bob behind me. And, they, and then they go, hey, I'm gonna come to your house today. I bet we would react with great excitement and joy also. But the thing I don't want us to miss about this verse is the fact that Zacchaeus wasn't the only one being intentional that day. You see, Jesus was also being intentional that day. He wanted to meet Zacchaeus too, which is why he was in that town, on that road, at that time, so that he could have an encounter with him also. But you know, Jesus already knew who Zacchaeus was, and he knew the good and the bad about him. But so did the people of Jericho. Let's see what they had to say. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. You see, Jesus already knew who Zacchaeus was, but he didn't care who Zacchaeus was. He cared about who Zacchaeus could become, and he saw that. But again, the people of Jericho, they're sitting there. They could not believe that Jesus was going to enter this man's house. I'm sure they were thinking, there's a rabbi over here who's much more qualified for you to go to their house, Jesus. Or here's a little old lady who knits scarves for the homeless. I mean, why are you going to this tax collector's house? And you see, I, I wanna pause here for a moment and just say, in our life, whether it's us deciding to follow Jesus, whether it's us taking a step of faith for him, sometimes this is gonna happen to us too. Whether it's somebody that reminds us hey, like, Jesus can't use you. Look at the stuff you've done. Your reputation is ruined or you're not qualified to do what you think he's asking you to do. Or whether it's even that still small voice in the back of your head telling you, you're not good enough. You're gonna fail. When that comes, and it will, because the more you follow Jesus with your life, the more Satan will try to stop you from doing whatever it is he's calling you to do. When that happens, instead of thinking about who we were, 
I want us all to think about whose we are. You are a child of God, and he called you by name. He knew you before you ever knew him, and he died for you because he knew what you could do for him. Let's remember that whenever we come up against opposition like this. Let's see what happened in Zacchaeus' life. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. You see, because of his life-changing encounter with Jesus, Zacchaeus decided to take another intentional step. You know, see, Zacchaeus, he knew, hey, if I want to change and I want to live for Jesus, I got to stop doing what I used to do. I'm going to give back to every single person that I ever stole from. And what he was really doing is setting a standard for himself so that if he ever caught himself slipping back into his old habits, he could say, nope, I got to give back four times as much. Because you see, I think what Zacchaeus realized was all the money, all the power that he had gained from his position and how he lived wasn't worth the loss of his influence over people for Jesus. And I think that's something God is calling us to think about this morning too. Let's see what happens next. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who were lost. I think what Jesus is ending this story with is simply reminding us that he is actually going to be the ultimate example of living an intentional life. You see, Jesus decided to give up his throne and come down to earth to live as a man, to live a perfect, sinless life, to sacrifice himself for us, to die, defeat sin and death and rise again so that he could set me free and you free, so he could set the world free. He had a purpose, he had a goal, and he lived intentionally to accomplish that goal because he knew we were worth every single cost. I hope you can see now why I really love this story and I think it really exemplifies this idea of living an intentional life. And I think both Zacchaeus and Jesus are really good examples of showing us that intentional people or intentional living leads to life change. So how can we actually do this in our lives? How do we practically live more intentionally for Jesus so that we can have a greater influence over others? Well, I think this story that we read today actually gives us a three-step process on how we can begin to do this in our own lives. Step one is that intentional people cultivate intentional relationships. You see, Zacchaeus, once he met Jesus, he knew that he wanted a relationship with Jesus. I don't think he had to hesitate for one moment to say, yes, yes, you can come to my house today. Please do. Let me go clean up first a little bit, though. I don't believe what I have to do. Uh, But he knew immediately that he wanted a relationship with Jesus and would do whatever he had to to do that. It's the same in my story of my family in trying to help our son. If we would not have sought out and then cultivated a relationship with Emily— I can very confidently tell you Caleb would still be where he is today. He would have progressed, but he would not be where he is now. 
that relationship was pivotal to his growth. And it's the same in our spiritual life. I think there's a number of relationships that are really important for us to cultivate, but I'm gonna focus on three today. The first one is our family. After our relationship with God, our relationship with our family, specifically our spouse and then our children, are the most important relationships in our life. And I'm gonna pick on dads here for a moment because I think, unfortunately, we often give them second place behind our jobs or maybe our even, even our own selfish desires. What we tell ourselves is that, well, if I focus on my job and I make a lot of money, then my family will be okay and then they'll be good. That's how I contribute to my family. But I'm here to tell you today, your family doesn't need your money. Your family needs your influence. This is something I've had to learn the hard way in my life several times. And I thank God that he taught me those lessons. So maybe we need to cultivate a better relationship with our kids and not work till seven o'clock every single night. Maybe we need to cultivate a better relationship with our spouse and not go golfing every weekend or try to listen and open up and talk more, put priority on what they're needing in their life. And this, this is, isn't for our spouse and us. It is vital that children see how we prioritize our marriages, how we prioritize our spouse, because we are setting the stage, we are setting a standard for how they will value marriage in the future. This relationship is pivotal for us to cultivate intentionally. The second area of relationships that I think are vital to us cultivating is actually with yourself. I know that might sound a little funny, but let me explain. So many of us are walking around in this world today with hurts, with trauma that we've been through, with things that have happened to us in our lives that negatively affect our ability to form and cultivate relationships. And these things will manifest themselves in a number of ways. It could be uncontrollable anger. It could be shutting down. It could be the inability to, to open up and talk about our feelings. Or it could even manifest itself in self-harm. Whatever way it manifests in our life, if we find ourselves in this area, we need to cultivate a relationship with a professional. That could be a marriage counselor. It could be a therapist. It could be a coach. Now, I know men aren't supposed to talk about their feelings. In fact, men aren't supposed to get their feelings hurt at all. We just push it down and we push through. I'm here to tell you today from my own life that will not work and you will be burnt out like I was. Some of the strongest men I know were the ones who were willing to raise their hand and simply say, I'm not okay and I need help. And I know for a fact their families, their spouses, their employees, their friends, thank them for doing that because they've been able to cultivate relationships with them that they never would have before. So if that's you today, I encourage you, take that step. I can tell you from my own experience, it is worth every single piece of effort. The final area that I think it's important for us to intentionally cultivate relationships is with our community. 
So it's the same principle that we tell our kids. Who your friends are will have one of the greatest impacts on who you become. And that doesn't just stop at being a child or in our teenage years or even our early 20s. It carries on through the rest of our life. One of the core values here at Wellspring we have is that circles are better than rows. And what we mean by that is, you know, what we learn up here on Sunday morning is certainly important and will certainly work to change our lives. But how we begin to put that into practice, how we refine that, how we, how we get deeper into those things is in circles. And one of the biggest ways we do that here is through community groups. A community group is simply a group of people who are in a similar age or life circumstance as you that we get together and talk about what we're learning on Sundays and just do life together. I can't tell you how important my community group is to me. And it doesn't just affect my personal spiritual life. It affects every aspect of me. It helps my marriage by being in a group with other couples who are seeking to love each other in the way that Christ does. It affects my parenting by being in a group with other parents who are facing the same struggles and challenges that we are. It even affects my children by being involved in groups with other children who know and love Jesus. Our community, the people we surround ourselves with, is vital to who we will become. Now that we've established how important cultivating these relationships is, let's move on to step two. Intentional people seek wisdom. See, once Zacchaeus met Jesus, he couldn't get enough. He wanted to have him in his house, and I'm sure they had many conversations, and he probably spent the rest of his life trying to learn and grow in the wisdom that God was giving him. It's the same for our family when it came to helping Caleb. If we would not have sought wisdom from Emily and then put it into practice, he would not have progressed like he did. Seeking spiritual wisdom can come from a number of different sources. Remember those relationships we just talked about? Having people in your life that you can you know, walk beside, help keep you accountable, seek guidance from, maybe they've gone through something that you haven't yet, having those people, that community in your life will provide you wisdom. Another one is just simply reading the Bible. What better way to learn how to be like Jesus than for us to read about Jesus or even read the words of Jesus. I'll confess to you, this is something that I was not very good at most of my life. Even though my father, who is a Southern Baptist minister, would constantly tell me, read your Bible. Um, you know, I, I think as a kid, I thought he was telling me that because he was getting on to me or that's just what a good Christian does but I realize it's because it took him an entire lifetime to learn that he desperately needed Jesus every single day. And once I made reading the Bible a practice in my daily life, God is able to speak to me in ways that I never imagined. So if you haven't started that yet, there's amazing resources to know where to begin. Another way we can gain wisdom is by reading books. There's tons of books on different topics that we might be struggling with or going through in our life. Maybe we need to seek wisdom from one of those professionals we talked about earlier. That's important too. One of my favorite ways to gain wisdom is actually listening to podcasts. I love listening to some of my favorite authors, pastors, and even business leaders and learning 
not just about spiritual growth, but about how I can do things better in all areas of my life, whether it's my marriage, whether it's listening to parenting podcasts, or even listening to business leadership podcasts so that I can do my job better here at the church and counsel people in our congregation who lead businesses, because that is really important too. You are a leader there as well, and you have influence. So now that we've cultivated these relationships and learned the importance of seeking wisdom, what's the final step? Well, that is intentional people form and break habits. You see, Zacchaeus' story demonstrates the need for him to break a habit. He had a habit of lying, of stealing. Ultimately, his habit was of greed. And because of his life-changing experience with Jesus, he decided to break that habit on the spot and set that new standard for himself of returning what he had stolen. You see, it was the same in my family's life. If we would not have formed some new habits, Emily taught us, but more importantly, broken the habit of saying say, we would have actually hindered Caleb's progress. Habit formation is vital to living an intentional life and harnessing the influence that God has given us. One of the best habits we can do is what I mentioned earlier, reading the Bible. It's a great start. It falls under a category of things that some people refer to as spiritual disciplines. Other things under those would be um, praying, attending church regularly, serving others. These are all things that we can do right here each and every Sunday. As I said earlier, these are things that it is so important that your kids see you doing, modeling that for them, if you will. But it's even better if we do it with them. Let's read the Bible with our kids. Let's pray with our kids. Let's make sure that our kids are here with us on Sunday mornings. If we want our kids to find good friends so that they can grow up to be good people, we need to have them in Wellspring Kids or Wellspring Students. It's so important that we set the example for things like that for our family because what we do, the people that are under us will follow. You see, it's so important that we set these things in our lives because we're also gonna come up against some habits that we need to break. Maybe we have a habit of spending too much that puts our family in financial stress all the time. Maybe we have a habit of abusing substances that we know keeps us ineffective in life. Maybe we have a habit of gossip. That'll kill your influence in your community real quick. Or maybe we have a secret habit, one that we think no one knows about. Maybe we have an online gambling addiction. Maybe we're addicted to pornography. Maybe we have a relationship that we know really isn't honoring to our spouse. Whatever that secret habit is, I'm here to tell you from my own life, that habit will not remain secret forever. And when it does, it will destroy your ability to cultivate intentional relationships and it will harm the people that you most want to influence for Jesus. So whatever our habit is that we're needing to break today, God can do it. All he asks is that we take an intentional step toward him. I hope you can see now why combining these three things of cultivating intentional relationships, seeking wisdom, and forming and breaking habits 
leads us to a life that we can live intentionally and influence others. I wanna quickly share a story from my own life that I think kind of shows us the effect of living this way. One day my wife was at home with our kids and my daughter Haven had been in the bathroom with the door shut for a very long time. I don't know about y'all, but that's never a good thing in our house. There's gonna be crayon somewhere or the toilet paper is gonna be rolled out a mile long. So she, like any good mom, walks over and kind of listens for a second and she hears Haven talking. Nobody else was in there with her. She just hears her talking about what she did that day and things that she likes. And so Alyssa knocks on the door and says, Haven, who are you talking to? And without skipping a beat, Haven responds, Mommy, I'm talking to Jesus. You see, because we made a habit of praying with Haven, because we make sure she's here in Wellspring Kids every week to learn that Jesus is our friend and that we can talk to him about anything, because we're involved in community groups and circles where there are other children who are growing in the love and knowledge of Jesus. A four-year-old girl thinks nothing of having a casual conversation with the God of the universe. Even more important than that though, he listens. He listens to that four-year-old girl. Now, this is not a story I tell to make my wife or myself sound good. We are not perfect people. We are not perfect parents. But by making those intentional choices, we see the fruit of it paying off in our family. How we live our life, the intentional actions that we take will lead to life change. Intentional living leads to life change. So maybe our relationship with our children isn't where we want it to be today. Maybe we've hurt our marriage because of a choice we've made. Maybe we're struggling with something else today. None of those things will change without us being intentional. You know, so often in life, we cry out to God. We say, God, change my life. God, heal my marriage. God, help me break this addiction I have. God, help me form this habit. Whatever it is we cry out about. And you see, God could do all of that. He could snap his fingers and change your life. He could snap his fingers and reset your marriage. He could snap his fingers and free you from anything for a day. But the truth is, we would end up right back in the same place we started because it only our circumstances changed. We didn't change. And the beautiful thing about God is he is far less concerned with our circumstances than about changing our character. You see, because if he begins with changing our character, then when our circumstances change, we have nobody to point to but him when we tell other people how we got there. So whatever it is that we're facing today, whatever challenge it is that we're going through, God is ready to take on that challenge with us. All he asks is that we take an intentional step today. So I wanna end by giving us some very practical things that we can do today to start living that way. 
You know, maybe like Zacchaeus, you heard God call your name for the first time today. Maybe your first intentional step is starting a relationship with him. If that's you, I wanna encourage you to please stop by the blue room, talk to somebody, let them know. We would love to walk through that with you. Or you can always scan the QR code in the back of your seat and fill out a connection card and just say, hey, I'd like to talk to somebody about starting a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe those of us today here that are Christ followers, God's just laid one of these steps on our heart. Maybe we need to find a community group so that we can cultivate those intentional relationships. Maybe we need to seek some wisdom on an area in our life we're struggling with, or maybe even get a referral to see a professional. Or maybe we need help forming or breaking some habits in our life. We wanna walk with you through all of those things too. You can either fill out the connection card by scanning the QR code, or you can stop by the connection table on your way out. Whatever step God has laid on your heart today, don't delay. We are ready and willing to help you in whatever way that God is telling you to move. Now, I want you to imagine for one moment with me, what if we all lived this way each and every day of our lives? What if we all lived in such a way that we showed the love and hope of Jesus to not only our families, but every single person we came across? Y'all, I'm here to tell you today, we wouldn't just change our families. We wouldn't just affect this community. We would change the world because people would see that Jesus loves them unconditionally wherever they're at and that he is the hope of the world. I think God is calling us to take a step in our life today to move closer to him, to live an intentional life for him. Let's take that step today. Let's not delay. Intentional people don't delay. They move when they're called. And I believe God is calling each and every one of us today. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day that you have given us to come together and worship you. Dear God, I thank you that you are an intentional God, that your son Jesus intentionally came and sacrificed himself so that we could be free. Dear God, I pray that you would challenge all the fathers in the room, every single person in the room today to take a step of faith so that we can lead our families in a more intentional way and honor the influence that you have given us. Thank you for your son. Thank you for this church and what they have meant to my life and the life of my family. And I just pray that you would help us to know your will and to take a step of intentional living today. It's in your holy name I pray, amen.